I want to ask you this morning, have you ever struggled in your walk with Christ? You know, have, have you ever, have you ever felt like that maybe you've been in a season where things are dry? You know, that maybe you have had times in your life where you've been really close to the Lord. You felt like that you could feel his presence, that you could feel his touch. You could see his hand at work. Then maybe some of you might have been in a season where you just don't have clarity. You just maybe don't have peace. You don't have that understanding. You don't have um, that closeness that maybe you once did. And so this morning, I pray that this message may help you. As I think back on... This past Friday, as we had the memorial service for Mr. David Jones, it was a beautiful homegoing service, as we've mentioned. Um, military honors, the playing of taps, beautiful stories shared about Mr. David and the impact that he had had on their life. But there was a lot mentioned about Jesus. There was a lot mentioned about his faith. But can I tell you, for those of you that may not have called in or you may not have been here, I think that it was really telling what Mr. David wrote in June of 1986 when he joined our church. For those of you that maybe aren't aware, whenever you join anything, I mean, you know, you sign up for something online, you need some very basic information. And so one of the things that we have at Bible Fellowship is we have a little membership form. And it asks for your basic information, your name and date of birth and, you know, your children's name, those kind of things. But the most important thing for me on this that I am so appreciative of is that there is a section that says, what is your personal testimony? Give a brief account of your conversion. And so I start this morning with this and hopefully this will all tie together. But Mr. David said, I accepted Christ as my personal savior while in my teens, and although my walk with Christ is not always as it should be, I am secure in my salvation and know that I will spend eternity with Christ. That, as we mentioned on Friday, David's testimony is speaking even after his body, his bodily existence is no more here on earth. Amen. But his testimony speaks. And I'm thankful that in black and white this morning as we read that, he was being transparent. He was being raw. He was being real. He was being truthful. He was being authentic in the fact that he knew where his faith stood, but that his walk wasn't always as it should be. And so that takes a little bit of guts. And so I'm thankful that he mentioned that. And so this morning, I want us to continue our study of 2 Timothy. And so if you will, let's look together in 2 Timothy. Hopefully you'll bookmark this in your copy of God's Word. Uh, to get to 2 Timothy, you're going to uh, go about kind of 
midways-ish in the New Testament. So you have Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, and then 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. So uh, 2nd Timothy is sandwiched between 1st Timothy and Titus. 1st Timothy and Titus is where you'll find 2nd Timothy. And so as we turn there together this morning, I just want to remind you that here we see where Paul is pouring out, he's writing, he's pouring out his love, he's pouring out his wisdom for his protege. He's pouring out what he has learned to his protege, his fellow minister, Timothy. And so one of the things he's trying to encourage him of is that there will be false teaching and there will be people who stray, but you are to remain faithful. You are to continue to live out God's word. And so this morning, I want us to look at one verse together. As I've told you, as, um, as we've preached through different series, sometimes we might have several verses, and some weeks we might get through just one. And so this morning, I want us to look at one verse. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I want us to look together at verse 3. My copy of God's word, it begins a new section which says, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Verse 3 says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. And I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. Father God, may your word speak. Help us to connect the dots. Help us to not just be hearers, but doers. Help us to live out your, live out our walk with you, our journey with you, real and authentic, just as Mr. David did. Lord, that sometimes we're going to feel close and sometimes we feel a little distant. But Lord, thank God that you are faithful and that you never leave us. And so Father, I pray now, help us to see What our next step may be, help us to be encouraged to press on and to finish the race that you have set before us. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So here, as we begin this, Paul is telling Timothy, he says, I thank God whom I serve. Whom I serve. The the amplified version tacks on this word worship. And so I want you to see this morning that what we do day to day, you know, we may, some of us are still punching a clock. Some of us still get up in the morning and report to work. Some of you are retired and and you kind of have your routine as well. But for those of you that are still working, Your work is not just work, but it should be a spiritual act of worship. My good friend Mark Champagne was a headhunter. He would go and he would help fill these executive positions and find these people that would fill these positions and look at all their credentials and, you know, look everything over with a fine tooth comb to find the right person for the right position for these companies who were looking for executives. And if I'm not mistaken, Mark told me, he said he worked for this company and there were godly people in that company. At the time, he wasn't 
necessarily a believer or his faith. He wasn't strong in his faith. But it was through his interactions with other people that he worked with that they began to kind of drip their faith into his life and into his path. And it was there that he began to take next steps. If I'm not saying he found his faith. But I tell you this story of Mark because eventually Mark wound up and he worked for Maxway. And then if he came and he worked in Maxway and Sumter. Like, I think he was in the Maxway in downtown Sumter. You know, like, I'm pretty sure, you know, you get asked these questions a lot of times. Like, where do you see yourself in six months? You know, where do you see yourself in six years? I mean, working for Maxway in downtown Sumter, I don't know if that was on his radar. But it was. But I'll never forget the story that he attached with that. And he said, Chris, as I began to live out my life and to follow the Lord, my check every two weeks might have had Maxway's logo on the top of it. But I was working for the Lord. He saw what he did in his life as a believer as one. It wasn't just that he came to church on Sundays and he praised God and then just forgot about that when he walked into the workplace. But that he and his faith were one. And he lived that out humbly. And Mark is a great example of humility. Mark has taught me so much. He is a Paul in my life. He has taught me a lot about following the Lord and trusting him. And just when you don't, when you often wonder, God, how is this going to happen? How how are we going to make this ends meet? Just trust God. Keep praying. Know that there are other people praying too and that God, if it's his will, God will provide. And time and time again, if we were to have Mark come and maybe one day we will have Mark come and maybe share some of his testimony and share what God's done. But time and time again, he's just told me stories of how God has just poured out his blessings upon their ministry because they're just seeking him, knowing that it's not them, but they're making much of Jesus. So Paul says, I thank God whom I serve, God whom I serve. And so that, my friends, is an act of worship. We are called to not just, as you've heard me pray it several times today already, we're called to be not just hearers of the word, but doers. And Paul here is reminding us that it's the Lord in whom he serves. In John 17, 4, it says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. That's Jesus speaking. Jesus had work to be done. And if we're going, if we are made in the image of God, then there are things that God has called us to do. There is work that God has called us to do and us to accomplish Jesus earlier had told his followers that whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. And so their work and faith cannot be separated. They are to be together. They are to be seen as one. So Paul says, I thank God whom I served as did my ancestors. 
You see, friends, as I think about, and I've said it from this pulpit before, you know, we stand on the shoulders. I stand on the shoulders of some great men who have stood behind this pulpit to herald an unchanging gospel that is still impacting and changing lives for eternity. Right? Like, I don't take what I do lightly because I'm not just up here giving some little pep talk. But there is life change that there is eternity that stands in the balance as we preach and teach God's word. And so Paul is saying, you know, he's serving as his ancestors did. So as you've heard people say, we stand on the the shoulders of of giants. We stand on the shoulders of men and women who, you know, if I was to ask you right now by name, men and women I've never met who were faithful and who served and who taught Sunday school and who were prayer warriors in this church, right? They were praying people. I think about my family and I think about my ancestors. And so I ask you this question this morning. Do you have a legacy of faith in your family? You know, think back on what others of you have done. I I know some of you have told me, Chris, we're, we're tired. We're tired. Yes, there are seasons of rest, but we must press on. We must not go forward in our own strength, but we must look to the Lord and say, Lord, give me strength for what you have called me to do. Some of you are retired, and so you make an effort to make sure that we're praying for other people. You make an effort to check on certain people. And you're just simply using a telephone in a season where we're quarantined to call and to remind people, hey, you're not alone. I love you. Jesus loves you. How you doing? How can I pray for you? Man, what did you, what happened this week that you didn't think that you'd ever do or not be able to do? You know, so you're touching base with them. See what you do as an act of worship. So, so then Paul says we're serve, we're to serve as his ancestors did with a clear conscience, with a clear conscience. And so, as we think about that this morning, what does it mean to have a clear conscience? Well, I think as we, as we think about that this morning, I thought about Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And so here, we hear David's heart. And where I went in this was Psalm 51 verse 10, which where David is saying, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. So, so David is saying, creating me a clean heart. How do we have a, how do we have a pure conscience? It is by seeking the Lord and asking Him, okay, God, creating me a clean heart. Help me to see what I cannot see. Help me to see the sin in my life that either I'm blind to or that I am ignoring. Create in me a clean heart. He tells us also in Psalm 51 verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. 
and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And then in verse 17, we see that David says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. So ask the Lord to create in you a clean heart. To, to search you and to search your conscience. And as we're talking about searching in Psalm 139, 139 verses 23 and 24. Again, another Psalm of David. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my faults. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me. Oh God, so how do we have a clean, a clear conscience? How do we serve the Lord with a clear conscience? Is to ask Him to search you. To search your heart, to search your mind, to try you, to see if there is any grievous way in you. Paul says, so I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. I label this message persistence, because I think, I want you to see that there are two linchpins, if you will, in this message. That there is serving and there is prayer. And that if we are persistent, if we push through times of unknown, of times of doubt, of times of knowing, as David Jones reminds us, as he shared his testimony, that there can be times when maybe you just, your walk with the Lord isn't where it should be, but you don't lose faith, you don't lose hope, you keep pushing forward. So we're to keep praying and that we're to keep serving and as we pray as we serve we see that as an act of worship that we if we are persistent in serving and if we are persistent in praying that that is our spiritual act of worship so as we get to this notion of now we've talked about serving and we've talked about praying i want to connect these two because we talked about having a clear conscience. So listen, regular prayer, asking for forgiveness, praying for our enemies, and thanking God for those we love helps us to have a clear conscience. Paul says here that he was, he was Constantly in his prayers. And that he was on his mind. You see, as we think about Paul, we need to remember where he was. He's in prison awaiting to be executed for his faith. And he begins this section after he gives um, Timothy his introduction and he tells him that he's an apostle and that he is his beloved child and may grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father be with him. He says, I thank God. Now, 
Here's what's interesting about that. You think about it. It's remarkable that Paul is thanking God in the condition that he was in. Because what we failed to realize is that in the ancient world, prisoners were not given basic necessities. You know, in, in the world we live in, you hear some people, and I have heard stories that people will go, they'll do something, they'll steal something, or they'll do something because they they want to be in prison where there is structure and that their basic necessities are met. That there's somewhere for them safe to lay their heads down and they're going to get three meals a day. But in Paul's time, that was not the case because even as we see he tells Timothy later bring me my cloak and he talks about those who came to minister to him this is not in my notes but you see friends if people were ministering to Paul in prison like prisoners are not ones that we should just like pretend like they're not there but if we are believers in Jesus Christ we're called to serve Everybody, We're called to serve the widow. We're called to serve those that are in our watch care, in our small groups, in our circles of influence. But we're called to serve those that maybe we don't want to serve or that we don't want to be associated with. I mean, we see it in the story of the Good Samaritan. I mean, the preacher passes by and he, I don't have time to mess with that guy, you know? And so, but what, it was the Samaritan, it was the one who was looked down upon, who, who went and helped that gentleman in his need. So I, it was, it was put this way. Thinking about Paul and thinking about where he is, it says, yet in a condition of confinement, deprivation and abandonment, Paul Still thanks God. Even in the midst of being in prison, awaiting to be killed for his faith, he is thanking God. He told the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 5.20, he said, being filled with the Spirit means, listen, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then we see this notion that Paul, so Paul is thanking God in the midst of the unimaginable. And he's praying constantly for his brother. See, we saw as I was reading, as I shared with those on Wednesday night, we kind of see as Paul opens his letter, we see Paul's love for Timothy. But now we see Paul's encouragement for Timothy. He's praying for him. That, my friends, should encourage us and spur us on to continue to work, to continue to go forward. Know that you, those on the phone and those that are under my, the sound of my voice here in, in the sanctuary, know that you're not alone. Know that you're being prayed for. And that should, just like Timothy, give you encouragement to keep pressing on. I'm thankful that, you know what, I'm thankful for the prayers of my grandmother. I don't know what she prayed, but I know she prayed for me. And that wasn't just a one-time thing, but those prayers are still coming to fruition. Amen. I believe that. The prayers of my mom, 
but especially the prayers of my grandmother. So there are people that have prayed over you. Keep pressing on. And we see this notion of praying without ceasing. In Romans chapter 12, verse 12, we're told, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, very simply, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. But as we think this morning about work and serving, we think about prayer, the Lord led me to Romans 12 again, but Romans 12 verse 1 and verse 2. A living sacrifice. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. And so we are to be as Paul is telling Timothy. We are to continue. We're to persevere. We're to be persistent in serving and persistent in praying. But as I think about how Paul is praying for Timothy. He's praying and that should be encouragement. But also he's, he's praying for Timothy because we are told earlier, I think it's in 1 Timothy, that when they departed, they departed with tears. That's how much they there, there was a love for these two brothers in Christ. And so as Paul is praying and ministering to Timothy and sharing wisdom with him, he's praying for him because he knew him. He knew his weaknesses and he knew his problems. So take joy in knowing that those ones that are close to you who know you, right? I mean, you've heard me say it time and time again, circles are better than rows. Right now we can't really, we're in distant circles at best. But as you truly get to do life with one another, as you truly are transparent with another brother and sister in Christ. As you share your testimony, I can't tell you how many times with some of you in this very room, as you shared things that you've gone through in your life, I see the pain, but I also see how God worked and the peace that you have now, that you've connected the dots of what you've gone through was not in vain. That God used that to sharpen you. He used that to prepare you. Even as I think about Miss Ann this morning and being on the phone, she told me when we spoke, she said, "There, Chris, there is, have been other widows who have already called me and are talking to me and saying, hey, I, I know where you're at. And yes, you know, some people say, well, I know how you feel, but when, when somebody else calls you that, calls you and tells you that, and you know what they've been through, you share that what? You share that bond, you share that connection. 
to know that you're not alone and that they do indeed know where you are. And, and I'll never forget, she told me, Miss Ann told me, she said, well, you know, the person on the other end said, well, it, it, it's gonna, it, it's been, it's been years for me and it's still painful. And most people would be like, man, why'd you tell her that in such a time like this? Because that pain never goes away. But neither does Jesus. He is always there with us. And so through looking to him, through being persistent in our service, and I don't know what that service looks like in your life, but God has called each and every one of us to unique places and to touch some unique lives. I saw a pastor share something yesterday. It was a little little graphic on Facebook. And it had percentages. And, and I can't remember them all verbatim, but it was like um, outreach, 1% to 2%. You know, Bible study, 1% to 2%. Small group. Or Sunday school, one to two percent, and at the bottom it was like almost seventy-five percent was when someone personally invited someone into their life and into their church. And the thing that I thought about, and the reason I share that with you today, is because I wanted to go back on this post and say what I've shared with y'all: when you want to be here, you want others to be here too. And so as you learn things on Sunday morning, as you learn things in your time of Bible study, don't just take that information and be like the Pharisees and just allow that to puff you up that that you've got some knowledge or that you have something that they don't know. Allow yourself to be a vessel to, to share those things, to take those truths of God's word, to take those nuggets of wisdom and be able to impart them when it's time. I shared with another minister this week as we were talking and talking about getting into God's word and and just talking about taking next steps towards Jesus and towards living out the life he's called us to do, to living out his will. I told him whenever I began to take next steps towards Christ, and I think I'd rededicated my life at that point, that one of the ways that I heard a sermon on Barnabas and I realized that the world needed more encouragement. And so what I began to do is that I took my copy of God's word and I took my concordance in the back that gives you several keywords. And let's say, for example, that I'm going to pick on Terry for a minute. Of course she knows she's right there in the middle. You're right there, Terry, right there. In, yeah. Huh? <laughs> but let's say Terry was going through something. Right, So I would go and look at my concordance and I would think, okay, what she's going through. Um, maybe she needs some encouragement or maybe she needs some joy. So I would go in the back of my Bible and I would look at those verses that included joy. Now, for those of you, some people might say that's taking things out of context. But what it did for me was I would look at those verses and I would go and look up those verses about joy and see what they said. 
And I might read four or five of them, and then one of them's like, yes, okay, this may encourage her. So then I would share that verse with her. So I began to dig. I began to look and find ways that I could, you know, not just say, hey, it's going to be okay. But what does God's word say about this? So I want to encourage you this morning. Let's see, let there not be a disconnect in your life between your service and your faith. Your service and your prayer life. Because I think back in my own life, one of my best friends is not a believer, doesn't want to, doesn't want to have anything to do with religion. But you know what's interesting to me is that just by simply being who I was and living out my faith, I can tell you there were at least two times in the 10 years that we were together that she specifically came to me in the moment, in a crisis, and said, I don't necessarily believe in prayer, but I know that you do, and, I, and I'm going to, will you pray about the situation? And so I was given the opportunity to pray with her. And some people say, why would you pray with someone who doesn't believe in prayer? Why not? She was asking for prayer. She's searching. And so given the opportunity, I remember one, it was the death of her brother. And there was another, something else that happened tragically. And there, there was a burden. There was grief. And so that's what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to step into situations and not ask pre-qualifiers of tell me about your faith. Tell me about who you think Jesus is. But when given the opportunity, you step in and you pray. For that person, you pray with them and you pray for that circumstance and you ask God to work. And then you come back and you pray for that individual, maybe in your own personal prayer time as well. Don't pass up an opportunity to be a witness. But what's interesting is you live as you live your life. God will present you with opportunities that you can live it out. That you can share scripture, that you can pray with others That you can point them to him. So. This morning we're going to take communion. And we'll we'll transition to that. In just a second. Paul says. I remember you constantly in my prayers. Night and day. Who are you remembering in prayer? Right? When when somebody comes to mind, you might not know exactly why, but pray for them. Pray whatever comes to mind that the Lord may give you, but pray for them. But can I remind you this morning too that be reminded that there are others who are praying for you. Just because you pray for somebody doesn't mean you have to go and tell them that. Sometimes it might be an encouragement, but just know that there's others who praying for you. So my prayer for you is that you would, like Paul is telling Timothy, 
that you would be persistent, that you would not give up, that you would keep fighting the good fight of faith as he tells Timothy later in this book, his second letter to Timothy. He says that he's fought the good fight. He's kept the faith and he's finished his race. Keep pressing on. Keep serving. Keep loving. Keep praying. As we invite you, I'm going to invite you here in just a second. Y'all very well know that whenever we take communion, that we do not want to take it unworthily. For those of you on the phone, take communion this morning in spirit. You've probably taken it a lot of times in the past. So even though you're not here with us and you don't have the sacraments in front of you and you can't physically take it, you can mentally and spiritually take it. Amen. And so I'm going to invite you to a moment of prayer is just for, as we've talked about this morning, how do you have a clear conscience? We want to take communion with a clear conscience. Invite the Lord to search you. Invite the Lord to create in you a clean heart. Ask him for forgiveness. But before I invite you into that time, I want us, I want to just read the Apostles' Creed over you. Because why are we about to do what we do? Well, the reason we do what we do is because of this. Under this table, it says, do in remembrance of me. We're to do this in remembrance of what Christ has done. And so what a beautiful picture the Apostles' Creed gives us. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. Now listen, church, this is the tenements of our faith. This is what we should believe. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. I invite you now to just a time of reflection and prayer as we prepare to take communion together.